Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is Holy Week. Good morning, Anne. It's Holy Week, the holiest week of the year uh, for us Christians and Catholics, um, the week of the events that are the foundation of Christianity. So what's hot, what's new, and more importantly, how are you feeling? Hi, Haley. Yeah, it's um, the week of March 28. Today is Palm Sunday. And, you know, today's reading is a lengthy one. And usually there's no homily after that. I don't know if that's a gift or not, because, you know, there's so much literally to chew on and think about with the the passion of Christ as we enter into that. Um, so I try to begin this week knowing how it begins and how it ends, right? And what Christ will endure this week. And it is, it takes some spiritual muscle, I think, we have some preparation. It's as if everything we've been preparing for and practicing during the last 40 days, we now have to really put um, into practice. And I think that's an important mentality during Holy Week. You know, I personally love Holy Thursday. I think it's a beautiful uh, feast, um, the celebration of that. You know, Spy Wednesday, Good Friday is tough for me. That's a tough day. And we'll talk a little bit about Holy Saturday. So I don't know. How about you? What do you think about Holy Week? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, it, there are, it, I think of it in different ways. Um, you know, when we get, when we get to the spiritual stew, I'll talk about kind of this Holy Week mass that I used to experience, um, when I was teaching, but it is, um, I think for me sometimes in particular this year, it's, um, it's, it's kind of amazing that it's already here. Um, you know, life seemed to move so slow for a, a lot of weeks these past year. Um, but I feel like these 40 days have gone pretty quickly. Um, and I felt like every week when you and I were talking, I was recommitting myself to, you know, to the Lenten practice and, and to, you know, kind of sticking with, you know, and finding more structure in my spiritual life. And now we're like, here. Um, it's done. So I'm not sure what that said about how well I've done during Lent. Um, but I think this is a good week to really, really think about, um, you know, what Holy Week really means. Um, you know, and it's interesting, we started watching, um, for those of you who haven't seen it or heard it of it, it's Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy series on CNN. It's a six part series. It's pretty fascinating. Some, some, he visits a new city every week. Um, so six different cities in Italy. He talks about the food, he talks about the history, he talks about the culture, um, but mostly the food. Um, so it was interesting because the most recent episode we watched this week um, was, took place in Milan. And, um, you know, I've only been to Milan once. It's not necessarily my husband's favorite city in Italy. Um, you know, my husband is Italian, both his parents are Italian. Um, but the reason we went was to see the last supper and, um, it was, it was, I've thought about that a lot. Um, and because I kept waiting in the episode for Stanley Tucci to talk about the last supper, cause I've kind of lived with this husband who says, why would you go to Milan if you're not going to just go see the last supper? And, and Stanley Tucci never even mentioned it. Um, you know, so you're in Italy, you're talking about food, you're in Milan and the most favorite meal in Christianity um, is featured in probably the most famous way in Milan, and it didn't come up. So 
Um, I'm not really sure why it didn't. I might have to do some research on that. I don't know if maybe he didn't want to talk about his, his own faith, if he didn't want to bring religion into it. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen The Last Supper. Um, it's really amazing to see. You know, you hear about it. Obviously, everybody's seen it. It's kind of one of those clearly iconic photos like, you know, the Mona Lisa where, you know, you see it, you see it, you see it, and then you finally see it in person and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, but it's just this very humble painting, um, you know, in what used to be a cafeteria and a rectory in this church that is not super interesting. You know, it's just kind of a normal church on a back street and you walk through it and you kind of make your way through, you know, the rectory. And then all of a sudden you come into what used to be the cafeteria and there's the last supper. Um, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I've been thinking about that and, and really what the Last Supper means. And, you know, you, we hear the passion and we hear Jesus speaking. And um, that, that for me, Holy Week, I will really, you know, focus on, again, recommitting myself to, to my faith and my practice, my Lenten practices this week. So have you seen the Last Supper in person? You know, I, I didn't. I went to Italy. Interestingly enough, um, would that have been too... 2011 and I went for Easter. I was in, I was at the Vatican for Easter Sunday. I went with three friends, um, two who are teachers. So we have, you know, we always have Holy Th in Catholic schools, Holy Thursday off through the following week. And we were guided, my good friend, Eileen, who's a loyal listener, one of her best friends um, was a Monsignor at the age of 35, Jim. Uh, and he actually went to Mount St. Mary's, which is probably not too far from Baltimore. They both went to school there and he was studying in Rome and he spoke Italian. And honestly, Haley, like it was, I could not have, I don't think I can go back. Part of me doesn't know if I can go back because we had the best tour guide and it was such an incredible experience. And Jim, tragically, he died of colon cancer way too young, maybe at the age of 40. Oh, wow. um, it still hurts to think about. And I can't even imagine for Eileen what like, you know, that thinks about, but that trip was so incredible. And I had, you know, the experience of seeing David, um, you know, David's in um, Florence, mm -hmm. but we didn't get to Milan. Um, so there's a reason to go back. And um, just how you described, I had no idea it was in a cafeteria. That, that's something I didn't know. Yes. And it's, um, yeah, it's really amazing that you have this iconic, famous, beyond famous. I don't even know. It's, it's a, almost like a religious experience, but it is. It's just on, on the wall, um, you know, not too different than South Dining Hall, how you have a mural, <laughs> um, you know, at the far end of the, of the, of the wall. Um, but it's, it's in a very nondescript church and building and, um, it, it is really worth seeing if you're there. Um, and apparently Stanley Tucci didn't think it was worth going to yeah. see. <laughs> so but a couple of thoughts on that is like, you know, you think of how, when you said iconic, you think of how many people have reenacted that, yes. that scene, right? I can even think when you said the painting would be in South Dining Hall, I've seen students at Notre Dame reenact it in South Dining Hall. There's like the one end where there's like the, you know, a raised dining platform, so to speak, and students have recreated that scene there or just, you know, renditions of art artists that have put different people in that. And yes, you know, it's a scene of the Passover meal, 
And I've heard a couple of people this week, you know, say happy Passover to people. And I really don't know enough about, you know, I love talking about Judaism, but my sense, you know, within Judaism, so many of their high holy days are, are um, like, they're not celebratory in the same way of like joyful, right? And I would imagine Passover, it's the night, you know, the angel of death passed over these right. homes to spare the eldest son. So I think it's rather solemn. And I, this is where, is this the feast where the, you leave an empty chair for Elijah? Is that, is that this meal or? So I, I will let you know, cause um, you know, I, I often talk about how much I miss working at a, at a Catholic school and being in a Catholic community, but I'm currently in an Episcopal school um, and an Episcopal community. And one of the things I love about that is um, they, they really do celebrate and learn about all faiths. So we have a rabbi coming to speak at our chapel this week to talk about Passover. So I will let you know, um, hopefully I'll learn a little bit more about what it actually is. Um, but yes, for them, it's, I, I would imagine it's a much different, you know, for us, it's the beginning of, you know, this celebration of, of hope and Easter and the resurrection. Um, but in, you're right in the, you know, in Judaism, it's, it's a much different, um, I can't even say much different celebration. It's a much different meaningful meal. Yeah. The setter meal and um, yeah, what they're, you know, I think about Jesus that night, uh, you know, knowing that someone would betray him, knowing that this was, you know, a last supper and how solemn that is. And I think, you know, and it's, I think Holy Thursday is a beautiful celebration in the Catholic church. For example, as a child, um, the second graders, the communicants would wear their dress and veil again, and the boys would wear, you know, whatever they wore. And we, so I did this in second grade, we, you know, processed in and we, I don't know why we were wearing that again. I think it's, it's, I mean, beautiful. Like we could probably connect the dots. Like you're a communicant again, you're welcomed into the church. And then, you know, the lights go out as it gets very dramatic when it's, during the liturgy of the Eucharist. And that's the final time you take the Eucharist until Easter Sunday. So on Good Friday, you have, right? I mean, they, you could, I think you can get the Eucharist, but they don't do the consecration. Right. Um, they, right. You know, the, they remove the blessed sacrament and, you know, put it into a side altar on Holy Thursday. Um, at my parish in St. Dominic's, there's a, a beautiful procession where they remove the Eucharist and place it into the side altar. So, as so much rich symbolism and, and meaning on that, that day um, for us to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And just on a superficial level, um, you know, watching this show this week, it just really made me miss traveling. Um, and, you know, hearing you speak about having such a great tour guide and your friend, Jim, mm -hmm. I, there is nothing better. Uh, you're right. You, when you have an experience like that, um, you almost don't want to ruin it by doing it again or because you can't replicate that. Um, but we will get back to traveling soon. Um, oh, well, and you know, hearing you had said, I haven't seen the show, but Tucci did part, filmed part of the episodes before COVID. And right. I was thinking of, you know, I, my experience of Stanley Tucci is um, from the movie Big Night. And I think that's interesting that he didn't mention The Last Supper because the story of big night with mini driver you know he's segundo he's the his cousin they own this restaurant and it's about the significance of a meal and preparation for the meal and the details that go into the meal and um you know 
one of my colleagues um, found this movie to be just profoundly Eucharistic, like the importance of a shared meal. And really the sacrament is what we, you know, what opens up and what is shared in the breaking of the bread, so to speak. So, you know, I teach sports and spirituality, but for my colleague, Chad, the analog wasn't sport, it was film. So it was called Faith, Film and Fiction. And basically that film is a way by which you can teach young people, you know, Catholic, the Catholic imagination. So meaning the Catholic point of view. So you would look at a movie like Big Night and it seems like a story of an Italian family, but really it's it's our faith lived out. And um, I thought that was so, I just, I would have loved that class. Me and I uh, think anybody can take that class as an adult. And, um, you know, a friend was saying just this week, same person, Eileen said, I don't understand why we don't emphasize that learning about our faith and growing in our faith is a lifelong commitment. You know, we were talking about, you know, health is a lifelong commitment. And, you know, when we leave school, you know, we should continue to read and learn and in our professions, we're always growing, but it's so true with our, with our faith. We can't just check that at the door. Um, by the you know, eighth grade or high school or college. Um, so maybe looking at a movie like Big Night with that lens is part of you know our ongoing spiritual formation. Yeah, that might be a takeaway for me this week. To watch it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, consider consider what it teaches you about, you know, your experience of being a Catholic. Yeah. I usually make my family watch the passion of the Christ. I think they'd be happier to watch. <laughs> big totally night. different. Yes. Spirit. <laughs> Did you do that every year or is that? You so know? I do, I do. do getting know? someone, oh. getting someone to watch it with me is usually a chore. Um, yeah. But that was the first movie I saw. It, it came out after James was born. It was the first time I think I'd left the house, um, the a Bible group I was in up in Pennsylvania did kind of like a group movie. And uh, I went to the movie theaters and saw that. And um, there are still images of it that I think of all the time. Um, so I know that's kind of a, that was kind of a controversial movie, but um, yeah, remember that? Yes, yes it was. Yeah. So we can talk about, we'll have maybe do like yeah. a, a movie, a movie theme one night or one week. Yeah. But um, well, I saw that in the theater and, and I haven't seen it on, you know, in person since then. So I, I might consider that myself. Um, and I, God bless him. I had a colleague who was an American, but he taught German at St. Ignatius and he was just an incredible mind. And he knew all these languages. So we would joke, Mr. Morlock, like probably had a heyday when he watched the passion of the Christ, because they use three languages in it. They use Aramaic, they use Latin, and they use Greek, which would have been the three languages that Jesus would have known. And so we were like, Bill was just loving it, switching <laughs> between the Aramaic and the Latin and, and you not know, the reading Latin the subtitles. Loved, you know, yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think they were pretty accurate from what, I mean, that was a real discipline to employ all of that. So even just for the appreciation of language, maybe I'll, I'll take a look. Right. Yes. Especially this week. So as we move into, um, you know, our spiritual stew, um, what do you have cooking there, Haley? So, you know, this, I mentioned, you know, everyone knows I went to, not ever, I've mentioned it. I went to Xavier. It was an all girls Catholic school. Um, I taught there for five years after I graduated from college. Um, you know, I wasn't Catholic when I was a student there and I 
went through the RCA process um, when I was as an adult when I was working there. So, you know, I spent a number of years at Xavier as non-Catholic, and um, and then of course a few years as a Catholic. And and I do really miss that. And you know, sometimes I feel like it's just me being lazy. You know, do I miss working in a Catholic community so that on Ash Wednesday it's easy to go to mass because it's part of my day at work? Um, or is it, you know, but I, it, I know it's also because I just miss that kind of that community of faith that is embedded in everything we do. But one of my favorite masses at Xavier as a student and as an adult, um, took place during Holy week. It was kind of a combination of mass, you know, the Easter mass and, um, you know, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, the kind of all put it together, melted it into one kind of like faith fondue and there. They sang us, there was a, an interpretive dance is what they called it um, at the end. And it, it wasn't a dance, although it was choreographed, which I think is why they call it a dance. I think of a dance as something kind of upbeat. This was really, um, really these three girls, they were always students, um, living their faith and expressing their faith through dance. So in that sense, yes, it is an interpretive dance. And they would, they would dance to the song, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Um, which mm -hmm. is a, um, you know, we'll attach a link to, um, a YouTube video of it. Yeah. it it's a, it's a pretty, for yeah. me, it's a very powerful song, right? It always sticks with me. I'm always, it's always going through my head afterwards. Um, even in thinking leading up to this podcast about the song, it's been going through my head then. And it was really a beautiful interpretation of this song. And, you know, they did it every year when I was a student, they did it every year when I was working there. I know they still do it. I know that will take place at Xavier um, this week. And, you know, it talks about the words are powerful too. You know, it talks about nailing Jesus to the cross and that pain that he felt. And, um, you know, it talks about, you know, trembling and, uh, you know, that fear that must have taken place and, and really, you know, we think about Easter, we talk about Holy Thursday, we kind of move through it, but it, it, for me, it, this song is a time to really pause and remember what actually takes place this week and the fear that must have been going through, you know, Jesus at the time or Mary or Mary Magdalene or anyone who was there watching Jesus die and, and watching him being nailed to the cross, which is a horrific way to die. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't think we ever really think about that, you know, mm -hmm. just the, the, um, the inhumane way that, that Christ yeah. was killed. Um, and so, so for me, I, you know, my spiritual stew this week comes from that song and, um, you know, I will listen to it this week. I will really think about the emotions that are in it. Um, I will, I will think fondly about my time at Xavier. I'll be grateful for, you know, living and working in a community of faith now. Um, but it also then of course leads us to the hope, um, that comes with Easter. Um, so for me, I'll be honoring Jesus's suffering, remembering that pain, um, and then also the hope that he did that for us. Yeah. So many touch points there, Haley. Um, one, thank you for your perspective and reminder as somebody who does work in a Catholic school, you know, I think I need to hear that reminder. I hope my, I wish my colleagues would hear that reminder, like what a gift that it's built into our system and our culture. And what a gift that the church has given the, you know, the world that we have schools where this is part of the formation and process, the option for that. Uh, this past week, we offered students reconciliation. 
And we began the day with a prayer service and then the time and the space during the day by which students could, they were, they were availed to make the option to go to reconciliation. Even if you're not Catholic, the sacrament was available and, you know, we help students just understand you're talking to a priest and the grace of the sacrament is there. And so I thought that was, that's, you know, a gift for young people. And I, and I do think at the end of the day, that's, a, I hope, I know that's why a lot of people choose Catholic education for their child, because they want to have some of the things that you speak in, about built into the day. But it's just, it's really nice to hear that reminder that they offer that for us. And for folks who are not in workplaces, um, you know, maybe just support people who work in Catholic schools and affirm that. And, you know, I'd like to hear for people who aren't in different working environments, what do they do or what are the options that they seek? How do they make the time? Because I know a lot of people do. Um, so thanks for that reminder. And then, you know, the song, you know, that gospel hymn, it is really true. It is, it's almost haunting, right? In a way. And yes, that's a great word, actually haunting. Um, you know, when I teach about the passion um, of Jesus, I, I think about, you know, it was public and that was the crucifixion. It was a very public event. And that was to humiliate the criminal, um, also to scare people, you know, as a tactic, this Roman empire with their power, but right. crucifixion was reserved for non-Romans. That's how violent. And, you know, if Jesus had been a Roman citizen, he wouldn't have been crucified. He would have been charged and convicted and, I don't know, served time in prison, but because he was a Jew, he was free to be crucified publicly, as we know. Um, so yeah, you're right, speaking to the horror of it. And I think, you know, if you go to Jerusalem, Golgotha or Calvary is set apart so you could really see from the city, you know, it's a walled city, but you can see in the distance what would have been happening. And it just had to have been horrific. And I, I think, you know, someone who lives in a city with some real human horrors of, tense and filth. And I turn away, I look away a lot. And I probably at that time would have chosen to look away, but you know that it's there at the same time, right? You know that this is happening. So it just must've been really heavy for everyone involved. Well, um, and that's, you give us good visuals too, um, because I do think a lot of times we think about, you know, or, or we say very, you know, almost casually without thinking about what the words actually mean, you know, Jesus died on the cross for us. Okay. We all know that, but what did that really mean? Um, and you're right. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was very public. Um, and he chose to do that for us. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And then in today's reading, I was thinking about the crowd and, you know, the, the, those in the temple and how sometimes, um, when there are problems or challenges, a group mentality takes over mm -hmm. and it becomes swift and fierce. And Jesus got caught up in the middle of all of this. They were challenging him, you know, it turned bad because, you know, some of my best religion teachers were like, you know, this didn't have to happen. Like Jesus was an innocent man. Like it didn't, you know, cause you grow up as a Christian thinking, oh, this is part of the reparation for our sins. This was what was going to happen, you know, in order for, you know, Jesus is the ransom, therefore it had to happen. But it's like, no, no, like these are events that, that like one thing led to another and it ended up in a crucifixion and it didn't have to happen in that way. And I, I think about group mentality and I've been part of it in the last few years of like, 
where a certain narrative takes over and he's like, I'm an innocent man. And, you know, we know that, but how true this can be in society where we convict somebody without a fair trial or, yeah, it, it was it, that to me today was what was particularly poignant with the gospel reading. Just yeah, especially, right. Especially because we have seen some really powerful, um, unfortunate examples of, yeah, that group think and that group mentality that um, takes over rational thought sometimes. Yes. So, mm. you know, and when I think of the triduum, um, you know, one day that we don't have a lot scripted for or know what to do would be maybe Holy Saturday. So we're taking a friend out for her birthday and she said, you know, can Anne go? I mean, are you willing to celebrate on, on Holy Saturday? And I was like, well, of course, but part of me was really touched that she even thought about that and mentioned it. You know, I'm thinking of Schitzel and my favorite Jewish family, how observant they are. And that, you know, maybe people see me as an observant Catholic, which I try to be um, not overly publicly or, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my life like you. And so I love the question, but I, you know, Easter, I mean, Holy Saturday is kind of this holding pattern. It's kind of a quiet day, right? Yeah. um, Not much happens in the church. It's not, you know, we've got this beautiful Passover meal on Thursday. Um, You know, we go into Good Friday and then it's like fasting, abstaining, right? You know, yeah. I try and really make time for silence on Good Friday. And it's like, so what do you do with Easter Saturday? (laughs) I know what you've done. I know you've gone to um, Easter Vigil. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is, um, a really beautiful mass. Um, you know, certainly for me, it holds great meaning because that's when I was confirmed into the Catholic church. Um, so let me tell you the, the fastest Easter vigil mass you will ever go to is when you are being confirmed, mm-hmm. um, when you're actually actively participating in all yeah. of that. Um, so maybe that's the key for Easter vigil masses is to actively participate as we all should. Um, it, it is a beautiful mass. Um, you know, for me, the, the, the most beautiful part of it is the beginning, um, where, you know, the church is dark, at least this is the way we've done it in the churches I've been in, you know, the, the church is completely dark and, um, everyone has a candle. They've been given a candle when they walk in and they start by lighting the candle in the back of the church. And then you, you know, you pass it along and you pass it forward so that this light comes in from the back and then, you know, ends up, at the, at the altar and, and lights the church and, you know, then we celebrate. Um, so I do love Easter vigil. Um, it's a long mass for my family. I will say that. Um, I think it's probably a long mass for a lot of people. Um, but it is, I I just, I love the imagery and I love, um, I, I love what it represents. So, um, we won't be going to Easter vigil this year. (laughs) Yes. I, I, been known to be safe to say I will not never go, but that never say never. That's not fair. And I always want to point out, I want to thank our Greek Orthodox um, brothers and sisters, or, you know, even LDS, uh, you know, folks, you know, their services are very long and we're talking three or four hours. So they put Catholics to shame. So, you know, one time a year for the highest of holy days, Easter vigil and my, you know, I will, I refer to it quite often as my parish. I am the, you know, St. Vincent de Paul in San Francisco is my parish, but for so many years, so is St. Dominic's and I live between the two. So I feel like I get to, 
reference. I get two for the price of one. They do an awesome Easter vigil, very dramatic. And then they have a huge celebration, you know, and San Francisco is a place where a lot of people go and live without their families that a lot of people here are from elsewhere. So there is a kind of a community of young adults. I'm not a young adult anymore, but we've, you know, grown up together and they'll go together. They'll sit together um, because maybe they don't, you know, especially if they're in a, a non-Catholic work environment, they're not getting the time off for Easter. Right. And, so um, they attend together, sit together, and then there's this huge, awesome feast. And it's late. I mean, it's not, it's oh, like yeah. at 30, 11 at night, right? A absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. The cake and the celebration. I mean, someone who gave up sweets, I would be like my sugar. I don't think I should go because I would probably take in so much sugar. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, for anyone who sits through the Easter vigil, they deserve a party afterwards. So that's th that your church, they figured that parish has figured it out. <laughs> Shout out St. Dom's, very good. So, yes. well, you always give us lots of takeaways throughout our session, but you have a few things this week you're going to try and other than doubling down on the discipline, oh, Haley. Again, this is like quadrupling down, I think, as we move into week, however many. Um, but I, yeah, so tomorrow I actually have been invited to an all girls Catholic school to, um, give a presentation to their girls leadership club. Awesome. Um, yeah, I thought what a great way to start off Holy week, um, yeah. for me, or at least, you know, the Monday of Holy week. Uh, and you know, for me giving talks and presenting, you know, about my story, about my journey, my faith journey, my physical journey, it is, it's always a great reminder of perspective. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a number of times when I am speaking and I'm even thinking in my own mind, you know, okay, I needed to hear this right now. I needed this grounding. I needed this perspective. Um, yeah. I've learned I'm pretty, um, I, I'm pretty confident in knowing that other people at that point, you know, need to hear it too. I, I've kind of learned that over the years, you know, no matter what the size of the group is, whether it's 2200 or you know 20,000 I always I always know somebody there needs to hear what I have to say um, yeah. a lot of times that's me um, so I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to um, you know I haven't had as many opportunities over the past year to share my story like I used to so mm -hmm. that's always a gift um, so I'm grateful to Mount to sales and and their invitation to come speak to their their girls leadership club and I think that'll be a great way to ground me this week and to really think about what's important and to focus mm -hmm. on it. And, um, you know, my other takeaway, I think will be to watch, you know, big night and maybe not the passion yeah. of the Christ or maybe both, but, um, right. <laughs> I, I love the idea of, um, you know, taking pop culture, so to speak, and, mm -hmm. and finding the, the religious meaning in it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great challenge for us to live our lives in general, right? Just take life in yeah. general and, and see God in the ordinary, um, yeah. you know, mother, yeah. mother Teresa always called us to do that. And I've, I love that. So, um, yeah. you know, I'll try to do that as well this week, yeah. whether it's through big night or, or some, you know, yeah. life in general, what about you? Um, well, that makes me think, you know, that would be a great guest to have on. Um, maybe I'll, try to reach out to Chad and and have him as a guest just to talk about those films and you know maybe as a way of presenting ongoing faith formation for adults maybe to consider those films and um there's no shortage I mean this is a class Chad created when I created sports and spirituality so um someone who's really been very thoughtful about that so um maybe maybe kind of put some steps towards making that happen but yeah I just this week I try to make some real time for silence and you know, I love Matthew Kelly. I do think of 
his gift to the church. Uh, Matthew Kelly is really the face and voice of dynamic Catholic. And I think they really live up to the name dynamic Catholic. I think what they offer is truly dynamic and they have best Lent ever and best Advent ever. And it's a daily video. And I'm always a little sad when it, when, when the Holy seasons come to an end, because I just love starting my day with his words or somebody else's words um, that they offer three minute video, but his real theme this year has been the importance of showing up for prayer and just letting God do the work, but you have to show up. And I believe in that in life. I think that, you know, Father Hesberg talked about that. Some of the best people I know, Mary Allback, one of my mentors, their motto is just show up. But I think that that's a great point for prayer. So whether or not I show up or make time for silence, I want to just kind of be intentional about that during Holy Week in a real way. And, you know, I think it's always important too to expand our outlook. I just, there's so much need in the world. And you know, I was reading about that religious sister who kneeled down in front of like kind of these tanks. Think of like Tank Man, you know, that image, that Pulitzer Prize winning image mm -hmm. in China, in Tiananmen Square. There's a religious sister who did that in Myanmar. You know, so many people are being persecuted and, and at risk. So just trying to expand my global outlook this week in terms of my prayers for people. Right. And for those who want to celebrate Holy Week and maybe don't feel like they can, absolutely. You know, we're lucky in that sense that we can be very open about, you know, our faith and, and celebrating Real. it. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that is a gift. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you're um, home a little bit more these days and this week. So hopefully that will offer you a little more time to, to be silent yeah. and to continue with your L-E-N-T prayer um, and to, to really focus on that this week too. Um, and then, you know, it's, then we get to celebrate. Um, so it's That's all right. 50 days of Easter. Exactly. So yeah, we have that to look forward to. And the desserts and the sugar that my body doesn't need, but, um, <laughs> but wants so oh, much. Oh, it does. It, I, does. Yep. it does, but it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> Well, great. Well, thank, well, thank you, you, Anne. I, it's always great to talk to you. Um, this is the holiest of weeks. It is a time um, to, this is, this is the beginning of our faith. You know, this is, you know, you hear people ask all the time, what's, you know, what's more important, Christmas or Easter? And, you know, some people think Christmas because Jesus was born and without him there would the be- chicken or the egg, Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, I, I, I think we all recognize, um, you know, with the, the celebration and the the multiple ways um, to engage in our faith this week. Um, what a great time to really think about what it means in our own lives, but also what it means um, in in the world as well. You got it. Thank you, Haley. Have a great week. Yeah. Blessings. <laughs>